Welcome back to the Love Well Podcast. I'm Dan. Glad you're with me again this week. Uh, we have wrapped up our conversations on Romans, uh, so I'd encourage you to go back, check those out, and uh, you know, catch up, catch up a little bit that way. Uh, shifting to something completely different from uh, kind of walking through something in the scriptures, and we're going to spend some time over these next few weeks looking at spiritual practices and how we uh, how do we how do we continue to foster spiritual growth how do I do that um, what does it look like for me to to continue growing uh, in my faith uh, this is a, a question that that has popped up a whole lot as I have spent time uh, with with folks as they're seeking to grow and become a little bit more like Jesus, and and so one of the one of the questions that that routinely comes up is, how do you not get stuck? How do you, how do you not um, kind of get get trapped in in a place of complacency, uh, or or just kind of having this this static faith? And so I want to take some want to take some time and talk about that. How do we how do we engage in spiritual practice? What is what does that mean? What does that look like? Um, uh, and before I get there, though, before we kind of dive into that, a uh, couple quick announcements uh, for you. Just some things to maybe put on the put on the radar, put on your calendar. Hopefully, you'll come uh, come out in person and join me for a conversation called Doubt on Tap. It happens on Tuesday nights at eight o'clock at the Tap Room in downtown Ypsilanti, Michigan. Uh, at Two hundred one West Washington is is the address. Really hope you'll join me. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we talk about a whole bunch of things, and you can get a sense of what it is that we talk about on uh, another podcast that I host called uh, the Simple Theologian Podcast. I do that with a good friend named Mike uh, Desatel. He's a local pastor here in Ypsilanti, and so it's just a good time. Uh, so I'd encourage you to go check that out, uh, and please join us on a Tuesday night. If, if you're looking for something to do Christmas Eve, and maybe you're somebody who... It's kind of like, yeah, I don't really do the church thing. I'm not not down with that. Uh, well, we are going to do a Christmas Eve uh, service at the Tap Room on December 24th at 5 p.m. It's going to be a going to be an evening of lessons and carols. It'll probably last around 45 minutes. Uh, so we'll we'll read, you know, the the Christmas story. We'll sing some of the you know famous Christmas carols, and it'll just be a it'll be a great time. Uh, at the pub, so I would encourage you to join us there, uh, December twenty fourth at five p.m. for our Christmas Eve, Christmas Eve at the pub. Uh, so I, that's that's happening, and yeah, I think that's it. I think those are, are kind of the the big things. So uh, put those on your calendar: Tuesday nights, eight o'clock, and uh, December twenty fourth, five p.m. Hope to see you out uh, in person. Now. There's, there is this quote by C.S. Lewis that a friend shared with me, and it has it has really resonated, and it kind of got me thinking uh, more deeply about about the spiritual practice question that that has continued to be raised uh, in conversations that I have. And and it, the C.S. Lewis quote says, "Surely, what a man does when he is taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is." Now, obviously, I think you can swap out the word man for person, right? So surely what a person does when they're taken off guard uh, is the best evidence for what sort of person they are. And I think that 
I think that quote, uh, it hits me, it hits me deep. Uh, it, it really, it really cuts, it cuts to the quick and, and gets down into something deep inside of who I am. Uh, and it's and it's been interesting coming off of a season, uh, a season of life where there's a lot of emotion, and that's that's high school football season. I know some of you are rolling your eyes, but I gotta tell you, when your kid is out on a football field and there are bodies slamming, and and every play could result in a catastrophic injury, uh, as a parent, you are on edge. You are just you're just kind of. Um, your emotions run high, and especially at my, my son is a, is a quarterback, and so sitting in the stands and you hear people constantly criticizing your kid, and, uh, and they're saying things. They don't realize that you're the dad. They don't realize that you're the parent, that you're, you're sitting there just hoping your, your son makes it out of that game uninjured, and, and they sit there and they criticize, and they, and they say just, uh, just unbelievably horrific things about a about a 17 18 year old kid and it's just it's just amazing um and so that there was one game in particular uh where i man i gotta tell you i lost my mind i i um i absolutely lost it because it seemed as though uh there was just some intent from from the other team to to injure and the officials were not were not making calls. They weren't protecting players on the field, really from from either side. But it felt particularly close to home on our side, and uh, and I lost it. And and what I've noticed is, you know, over the course of, of the six years that that my son played football, uh, it seemed like there was a, there was a game every year where where I would kind of lose my mind. And as I've gone back and done some post mortem work on those situations. Uh, what I realize is, I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for those games. What do I mean? What do I mean that I wasn't prepared for those games? I think as a parent, you have to get, uh, you have to, at the very least, you kind of have to get mentally and emotionally ready. And I think for someone like me who, who includes the spiritual part of their life as, as something that's key and, and core to who I am. I have to be spiritually ready to, to kind of walk into those stands and, and be ready to go. And so uh, you, don't, you don't expect you don't expect those kinds of things to happen. You don't expect um, officials to, to let horrific hits happen and that are unpenalized and that kind of thing. You don't expect that. And so in a, in a very real way, I was caught off guard. And the the anger, the rage that that rose up inside of me, I think was rooted in wanting to protect my kid. You know, I think it was a I think it was a dad moment. Um, but it also pointed to to this 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 underlying uh, anger that that just kind of seems to be under the surface a lot, and it does. It it, um, it was evidence. Uh, for something that was in me that I, I don't like, I don't like that part of me, right? Uh, there's a there's a thing called the Enneagram that that helps identify uh, why we do what we do, and uh, it's, it's it's sort of a personality inventory. It's it's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit different it, because it doesn't 
it's not trying to tell you what you are. It's just trying to help you understand uh, some of your underlying motivations. And in that system, I'm known as what's an eight, and that's that's in the anger, rage area. And so that that just is is kind of there, and I and I'm not excited about that. I don't like that uh, part of me. And so I, I've needed to do some work this fall uh, to to go back and. And, and to continue to, to work through that, uh, to continue to work through uh, the anger, the rage uh, that, that can be there because, because I, don't, I don't want this to be the kind of man that I am, right? Surely what a, what a man or what a person does when they're taken off their guard is the best evidence for what sort of person they are. And, and that, is, that is a truism. Um, I want to be the kind of person that when I'm taken off my guard, when something comes out of left field, that I don't respond with anger or rage, but I respond uh, in loving kindness, in compassion and empathy. That, that's what I want. That, that's the kind of person I want to be. But I'm never going to get there if I don't make a concerted effort to get there. right? If I don't, if I don't do the work uh, that I need to do mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, all these things tie together and help you become uh, who you who you want to be. And this for the Christian is is doubly important, I think, because the Christian is meant to be like Jesus, right? Our lives are supposed to look like his. We're to be honorable, kind, loving self-sacrificial the word christian means little christ this this designation goes way beyond our religion it's it's more than that it goes to our identity it goes beyond it goes beyond systems of dogma belief theology this is who we are when we say that we are a little christ when we say that we are a christian when we say that we are seeking to follow Christ, it means that we are making an active decision to live life like His, right? That we are, we're to love, we're to love God with all of who we are. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love our enemy. We are to intentionally seek to love well, and there is no excuse for us not to. You know, we are we are rightfully held. To a higher standard in the public square. I know a lot of people say, oh, Christians are sinners just like anybody else. They're messed up. They're broken. They're not perfect. Just like everybody else. Yeah, it's true. But here's the deal. We claim, we claim a different identity. We claim an identity that is tied to and reflective of the, the Christ, Jesus. And, and so what that means is when people look at us, they're looking at a mirror and we're supposed to be mirroring back to the world, uh, Christ. Well, <laughs> you know, if, if our lives are unloving, unkind, hate-filled, rage-filled, anger-filled, um, if we are liars, if, if we are, uh, you know, immoral bigots, uh, if we're racists, these, if we're nationalists, these things don't mirror Christ. And yet, so many of us, so many of us, 
who claim this name, man, that's, that's what we look like to the world. That's what we're mirroring to the world. I have a weekly conversation with a friend of mine uh, who's an atheist. And, and one of his greatest concerns, and one of my greatest concerns, is the rise of Christian nationalism in the United States. Because the, this, this is at its center a racist, hate-filled ideology. It is the very opposite of, of what it means to, to follow Christ. And yet we're seeing it rise up, and we are seeing it uh, play a, just a, a devastating role within our, within our society and culture because we have lost we have lost this sense of who we are a christian to carry that name christian is no small task it's no small task it is it is the it it, it is how we are to live all the time when we are taken off our guard as followers of jesus our response ought to be empathy love compassion kindness and yet i know in my own life too often that is not it too often it is anger, rage, frustration. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I should be held to a higher standard. And so and if you claim the name of Christian, you should be held to a higher standard too. Because, because a, to be a Christian is not, it's not a call to escapism or eternal insurance for the age to come. That's, that, that's not it. And, and too often uh, in, in America, that has been what, what's been sold as Christianity right? It's, it's, um, it's fire insurance, escape from hell, run away. And, and, and that's why, that's why dispensationalism, uh, this, this movement that is so focused on the second coming of Christ, um, has, has risen in such great popularity in the West because, because it is, it is the sense of we're right. And, and we just have to get ready for the grand escape, right? For the rapture. I hate to break it to you, friends. There, there's no such thing. That, that, is not, that is not in the scriptures. That is not what Jesus taught. That is not what Paul taught. Um, it is a very poor reading of Revelation and a handful of verses taken well out of context. Jesus doesn't come back three times. No, he on the cross, Jesus reconciled all the world. All of creation. He said it all right. He said it is finished. And uh, there, there will come a day. Scriptures do teach that there will come a day where, where all things will be made new. All things will be made new. Uh, and we long and we hope for that. We, and we, we who are following Christ are, are tasting the first fruits of that. We get to experience within, within the community of faith uh, this, this sense of renewed uh, renewed relationships, renewed creation, all this stuff. We, 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 get, we get to experience that now. Um, someday the, the, all, of the, all of creation will experience that as well. Um, but, but to follow Christ, it is an identity that shapes all of life in every minute of every day. It's a commitment to take up our cross daily and follow Jesus to the place of self-sacrifice. Um, it, is, it is a love that brings grace, mercy, justice, redemption, reconciling all things. That's, that's what it is to follow Jesus. Um, and, so, and so if you're like me, even in the smallest sense, uh, the question that I hope you're asking is how? How do we, how do, we do this? 
Well, we do this by practice. We do this by engaging in spiritual practice. Um, Dallas Willard, in his, in his great book, The Spirit of Disciplines, uh, Understanding How God Changes Lives, he talks about this how question from, from the perspective of a child emulating uh, their sports hero, right? And we've all done this, you know, growing up, especially, you know, those of us who like sports, uh, you know, we, we've done this, right? We, we, we go out in the driveway and we're, we're playing driveway hockey or basketball or you're in the backyard playing baseball, whatever it might be, and, you're, and you, you emulate your sports hero. You try to swing like them. You try to skate like them. You, you take your shot like them. Uh, whatever it is, you go out and you try to play like them. And if just doing that, if just doing that, if just if just imitating them uh, would would bring about the same results that that our heroes have, that the greatest athletes of all time have, then being Michael Jordan, being Wayne Gretzky, being Ray Bork, uh, would not be special things. Everybody would be able to do it. Why why can't we just by mimicking? Uh, their movements, why, why don't we become great? Well, we don't become great because we don't do the practice. You see, the great athletes, they love practice more than the games. The games are just the cherry on top. They love to practice. They love getting in there and, and doing what they need to do to, to, to get ready for that moment. You know, there was, I can't remember who it was, but it, they were talking after a game, and he had made uh, this. This athlete had made the, the game-winning play, and they're like, "How did you? How did you know? How did you know that 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 shot was going to go down?" And he said, "Man, I've taken that shot a thousand times in practice. I've taken that shot a thousand times in practice. They had, they had." He had, he had worked on it. He had put the work in so that when game time came, he was ready. And so the same thing is true for us. You know, when I show up at a football game on a Friday night to watch my kid play, that's game time. That's game time. When I walk outside of my house, when I go get in my car and I go someplace, that's game time. When we are out in public, that's game time. When people are watching us, that's the game. We, we can pretend to be like Jesus in all kinds of different settings. We can act like Jesus without ever becoming like Jesus. And it's, and, it's when, and it's when we're taken off our guard that we find out if we, are, if we are becoming like Jesus or if we just simply act like Him. And my friends, we have to become like Jesus if we say that we are Christians. And that's why... That's why this question, this this quote from Lewis hits home, um, because it points to this deeper reality. It points to, it points to this question of: Are we becoming or are we acting? Are we acting like Jesus or are we becoming like Jesus? Who are we really? Who? What is our real identity? How do we? How do we prepare ourselves for the game? And so that's why we're going to do these 
we're going to spend some time looking at spiritual practice. How? How do we grow? How do we prepare ourselves? How do we get ready for game time? How do we change uh, the, the nature of our identity? How do we, how do we trans, transform? In Romans, right, you know, it says, be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do we do that? What are some of the, the, the practical hows? And, and so we, we are going to dive in. We're going to dive into this. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what, what my how looks like. Uh, what are some of the practices that I use? Uh, and then I'm also going to share with you uh, some of the other practices that people use. Many, many, are, not, many are ones that I don't use, that, that I have not found helpful. I've tried a lot. Um, but hopefully, hopefully you'll find many of, these, many of these helpful. And some that I find helpful, you won't find helpful. Um, we're all different. We're all wired different. We're all created uh, different, and it is beautiful. And so our practice is going to look different, and, and we have a responsibility to discover what it is, what it is that that makes us unique, and how do we how do we practice these things? How do we each individually become more like Jesus, and not just act like Him? So I hope you'll I hope you'll join me on this uh, on this little adventure and into, into how we become like Jesus. And, and that's, that's where we're going to go for these next few weeks, is, uh, is, is practice and talking about spiritual practice. Um, so uh, that's, that's where we're going. And, and if you find any of this stuff helpful, useful, insightful in any way, uh, I would encourage you to share, share my podcast uh, in your social networks. Comment wherever you listen to, to podcasts and uh, yeah and I would encourage you I'd encourage you if there's something something about uh, any of these podcasts that you that you did like share it with somebody just just don't even share the podcast just share the idea that stuck out to you as being helpful or insightful uh, with with somebody somebody in your life uh, and if you don't want to if you don't want to listen if listening is not your thing I'm, I'm, I'm writing a lot about this on my on my website as well, so you can kind of get a text version. It's not an exact transcript or anything along those lines, but but it's kind of following the same the same ideas. And you can connect there at danielmrose.com. If you want to continue the conversation with me personally, hit me up on Twitter at Daniel M. Rose. Um, but until next week, love well, my friends.